love. Some would say it took a backseat when the pandemic forced us apart. As a family-run and proudly Canadian-owned company, Charm Diamond Centres saw the need to bring us together with tales of love and created the Canadian Love Map podcast. Since then, we've shared hundreds of real, uplifting stories that prove love conquers all. So thank you for listening. We couldn't do it without you. And remember, love starts here. I was on the plane that was packed with a lot of obsidian families who were going around the plane and asking them, what do you want to do in Canada? No one knew where they were going. And they, they all tell you different stories, but they, they all wanted to have peace. Hi, I'm Nancy Regan. This week's love story belongs to Tarek, a Syrian refugee, new Canadian, entrepreneur, chocolate maker, and peacekeeper. Tarek's family rebuilt their life in Canada, where their new business is now spreading the message of peace across the country and around the world. With a commitment to supporting other refugees and giving back to their new country, this is a true Canadian love story. Tarek, hello. Nice to see you. Nice to hear you. Nancy, very good to be with you. Thanks so much for having me. Oh my gosh. I've always watched your story with so much interest because as you remember, you and I did a conversation on my other podcast, The Soul Booth, years ago now, three years perhaps. Oh my God. It feels, it feels like yesterday, but <laughs> there's a lot that I has know. happened. There's a lot a that lot has, has happened has since changed. then. Absolutely. Tarek, I always think that there's no way anyone in the world could love chocolate more than I do. I have quite an addiction, but it seems to me you might have me beat. <laughs> yes, absolutely. It's it's now the, the the love of my life, certainly. You know, it's it's just the way that we talk and feel. Uh, chocolate is way different than most people do. They they say usually that some people make chocolate, some people feel chocolate. We do both, and you know, as as a family that has been so much in love with this product since the beginning of time. Uh, we have just grown up to know it's it's our tradition. It's the way that we want to see the world as sweeter, as happier. And, you know, spreading this uh, beautiful product around the world just gives us so much uh, satisfaction. Now, is it like asking you to choose or asking someone to choose which of their children they like better? If I were to ask you, which do you love more, chocolate or Canada? I... <laughs> <laughs> Oh well, well, Canada. Canada is uh, is certainly uh, the the place that I call home, the place that opened the doors for us and our family after we lost the sense of belonging, and we lost what we really were were born to live in, sense of peace and safety. So, um, Canada and being Canadian is the biggest honor of my life. You know, this country is certainly very close to my heart. Uh, chocolate is, I think, chocolate is our ambassadorship. You know, chocolate is our connection to the country in, in a way that is so much sweeter than we could have ever imagined. Uh, the way that we make chocolate, the way we ship chocolate, the way we talk about chocolate, and the way Canadians perceive me. You know, whenever I go in the country, <laughs> I was in Toronto one day, and a, a little kid, I think he was 14, 15 years old, came to me on the table, and he was like, oh, the chocolate guy uh, in downtown <laughs> Toronto. And I'm like, wow, that's my nickname now. So <laughs> it is so, so fun, really, just to uh, to know that we are well known now because 
not only you know we are we are chocolate makers, but also we are peacemakers. So maybe we can choose between the question should be between Canada chocolate and peace. Your family's relationship with Canada can only be described as a love story, and I love hearing you talk about what it's meant to you to be here. Can you take me back to the beginning of your story with chocolate and how your family became so um, enmeshed with it? A hundred percent. You know, uh, that uh, all came really by the passion that started with my dad to change a little bit in the tradition in the family of going out of the comfort zone a little bit, right? Thinking out of the box and bringing in innovative ways to the family. So we were known in Damascus. Our family was very well known for, you know, being doctors, being engineers, being lawyers. My grandfather was a, a judge. And my father, he just wanted to really uh, get out of the, uh, you know, the, that comfort box that my, the family has built for everyone. Yes, you can get into university, you can study, you can then finish up in being a dentist, a lawyer, uh, an engineer, wherever you want to be. And these, men, these were really the three main uh, categories that our family was known for. And my dad was like, no, I want to introduce a new thing. And by entrepreneurship, for my dad was like, you know, being innovative, being unique and being remarkable. So my dad was sucked into the system of the family first <laughs> that he has to study <laughs> civil engineering. And after he graduated, he was like, I am not going to be a civil engineer. Like, you know, he graduated. He didn't like it. Like he does not want to be a civil engineer himself. So they went to my cousin's wedding. And after, um, you know, a few hours there, you know, chatting, laughing, having fun, it was a time for chocolate. And, you know, Syrians are very well known for the Syrian cuisine and the restaurants and the type of foods. Uh, but chocolate is was, was kind of uh, invasive to the community, right? Like it was not something traditionally known to be a Syrian thing. And my dad was always passionate about making it uh, a normal thing into the Syrian life to bring in this new product that was just, you know, hitting uh, the, the, the market. And, uh, you know, he was looking into the faces. Everyone was happy when they were served chocolate. It was mouthwatering for him, really just watching the feelings, the emotions that were connected to the product. It was so luxurious and it was so... Uh, phenomenal for him to translate it into a, a personal story for him that he kept telling us over time. So he went back home. At that time, there was no internet. <laughs> so he went to the library and then he started uh, figuring out how to make chocolate. It was, it then really became after three months of uh, hard work and research. It was the first time that my father even touches a, a tool in the kitchen. He did not even, even cook. Uh, when he was a student or before that, he did not learn how to use a tool in the kitchen. So my grandmother kept him in the in the loop and then she taught him, but it was a mess to create chocolate in the home kitchen. Like you can't create chocolate from scratch, from cocoa beans, mixing it with cocoa butter and uh, soya lecithin and sugar and flavors and the nuts and seeds and dried fruits. All of that takes a lot of space. And the end product that will get out of the fridge, you know, is, is very uh, messy until it gets to the fridge. It's very messy until like it gets frozen. So my father, my father kept uh, testing in the home kitchen for quite some time. 
And within a few months, my grandmother was like, you cannot stay home. <laughs> you have to get out of here. So my father went to a downtown place and he rented it. It was very tiny, but then he expanded to another shop that was on the way to the airport. The company my father built was uh, was growing uh, very significantly in the Middle East. You know, distribution all over the Middle East was happening and everyone in the company was just so on board that making the world a happier place and the company brand in Syria was all about that. And of course, Tarek, while it was a, a happy event for you to arrive in Canada, it was tragedy that made you leave Syria. Can you tell me about that sad chapter? Absolutely. So, you know, the, the, the real reason why did we even leave uh, Syria not that was, you know, about the, the, the war and everything there. It was about losing that sense of belonging. And the first time that you know you have your family members are getting killed, the, 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 your house is getting bombed, your factory is, is lost. My father in 2012, um, uh, he and early 2013, when the factory was bombed, it was one of the largest chocolate factories in that in the region. And it was uh, the explosion that happened, destroyed everything. It destroyed not only the factory, it destroyed dreams. It destroyed hard work. It destroyed, you know, the blood, the sweat and tears that my father and my family had put into the factory. Uh, we have lost a lot of my cousins who were shot, uh, who were killed in the war. Uh, we've lost a lot of, uh, you know, um, family members that they went missing, they went arrested. And until now, no one knows if they are dead, if they are alive, if they are living 10 floors under the ground in a prison in downtown Damascus, no one knows. So at that time in 2012, uh, my entire family left Damascus. We were all living in one building. So my entire family left the, Damascus. Most of them left Syria to Jordan, to Turkey, to Egypt. Then they got scattered around the world. Now my family are in 26 countries around the world. They are, they are so spread out. Wow. They are so spread out. It was unbelievable just to really live through that uh, because we were so connected and the family cohesion was a, a big piece of it. So it was, you know, we had to leave um, everything behind. 2013 went to Lebanon as uh, refugees arrived there and um, we uh, it was very clear to us we did not want to play the role of victims uh, it was even at our darkest times that we did not want to play the role of victims we wanted to play the role of victors and we wanted we tried to shift everything from the mindset of being yes we lost everything to the mindset of we can rebuild everything Right. So mm -hmm. that whole mindset changed everything for my family of being in Lebanon was like, yeah, I, I maybe I lost my path. I was on the way to become a physician. I was enrolled in medical school. But in Lebanon, I was like, I'm not going to sit there and just wait for a subsidy from the United Nations High Commissioner for Refugees was I'm like, yeah, I can volunteer. I can use my expertise and my skills. And the whole idea behind this, Nancy, was that no one goes out of their homeland empty. And no one leave their homelands and arrive in a new country empty. Everyone has skills and has talents. These are the intellectual properties that you don't lose, right? You don't lose in a war. Mm. You don't lose. It's it's not physical things, right? It's all about the, 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 the talents and the things you invested in yourself. It's a beautiful way to put it, Tarek. That's a beautiful way to put it.
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, that's that's what we were brought to Canada. It was on the sole purpose that we are able to rebuild our lives and to contribute to a country that will give us the human rights and the freedoms again, because we lost them in our homeland. And that was Canada. That was the only country in the world that was really opening the doors for us. What do you remember about landing in Canada? Uh, oh my God, that was that was a, a, a memorable day for many reasons. But the first uh, is because I arrived on December 18th, so it was very very cold. It was uh, <laughs> it was absolutely one of the harshest nights. I still remember. I still feel the cold in my bones when I remember that night because. It was the first time when I tried the minus 25, right? It was like <laughs> arriving, arriving that night. Uh, and uh, with, uh, with uh, like a, a spring, uh, spring jacket that was on me uh, in, uh, in December, I had no idea what to expect. Honestly, I knew it would be cold. I didn't know how cold it could be. Um, and I landed in Toronto on that day. I was on the plane that was packed with a lot of uh, Syrian families. Where uh, the, the beauty about this whole journey is going around the plane when we were in the sky and sitting with the Syrian families and asking them, what do you want to do in Canada? No one knew where they were going. And now that plane is, ca- is spread out across Canada. Some are in the West, some are in Ontario, some are in Quebec. I am in, in uh, Nova Scotia. And they, they all tell you different stories. But they, they all wanted to have peace and they all wanted to live a life where it is stable. It is certain their kids can go to school. They can build businesses. Uh, you know, they can do whatever they want um, in, in a free world. They can talk about anyone who they want. Never afraid of even speaking out about any person, even a president or prime minister or a governor or whoever that is. Right. They are all they were so passionate about this point. And we landed in Toronto that day. It was very memorable for sure. And they called me in the middle of the night and were like, prepare yourself. Your flight tomorrow is to Halifax. So <laughs> it, was, it was very interesting. Very interesting. So tell me about your arrival in Antigonish, Nova Scotia, and how you managed to get your chocolate company restarted. Absolutely. You know, when uh, landing in Nova Scotia was something I did not choose. Um, it was chosen for us that we would arrive in uh, a place called Antigonish because that's where the community has sponsored my family. And uh, arriving here was the sweetest thing that has ever happened to me. You know, we are we were in Damascus. It was a city of millions of people, right? So you were crossing by hundreds of thousands of people, really, on the way to the hospital or to the work or to the school. Um, And arriving in Antigonish, a whole town of 5,000 plus university students of 5,000, it was a huge transition, Uh, maybe the biggest in our life. And it just gave us a whole different perspective, because as immigrants usually tend to be, they go to big cities. Like if you ask an immigrant, where do you want to be? They'll tell you, I'll go to Toronto, I'll go to Vancouver, I'll go to Montreal. Uh, no one would tell you I got to Antigonish for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so we arrived. Uh, I arrived here before my family. My family uh, followed me after two weeks from Lebanon, and it was very exciting because I didn't know that even that my family will follow me for sure. Uh, Safe um, is stands for Syria Antigonish Families Embrace. They had picked me up at the airport with flowers and signs, and it was uh, really, really uh, remarkable and heartwarming. 
it was tearful as well. It was a tearful reception. So we drove from Halifax to Antigonish. Uh, within a few days, I knew where I was because I lost track on the map <laughs> because I'm like, where where am I, right? Like, you, we drove two hours away from Halifax. I'm like, are you guys kidnapping me? Where are you taking me? Like, <laughs> and I was with, in the car with two uh, two doctors, two surgeons. And uh, I, was, I was really scared. You know, you are in a new country with two surgeons. And uh, I was like... Uh, really afraid you know um i always watch these movies where you arrive in a new country and then you get kidnapped by doctors and they they steal your kidneys oh my gosh well and i mean it can't be it can't be overlooked that you were coming out of trauma as well so no wonder you were a little suspicious i i had uh, you know the a, a dinner with uh, with a lot of community members and then we talked about the town about my family about our hopes our dreams uh, it was um, very, very interesting. I was so exhausted that night, Nancy, but I did not sleep uh, the first night in Antigonish. I couldn't sleep. Like, I really stayed awake, and no one knew that. Like, I, I was staying in my room, and I was just thinking, oh, my God, what has happened? Like, what, what a roller coaster it has been. So within two weeks, you know, uh, we had prepared the house for our family to arrive. They were, they were, they arrived there on January 7th, and uh, it was... Um, very clear to us to share with Canadians. And that's, if there is a slogan for me in Canada, I would be known for this. We did not come to Canada to take jobs. We came to Canada to create them. So that's what we did. That's what, what it really has come to us. It was a time to start a chocolate business again in Antigonish. If, uh, if you watch the interview we have done with CBC, it was in 2016 when my family arrived and I was translating for my family. Carolyn Ray from CBC, she was asking my dad, what do you want to be? What do you want to do in Canada? And my dad was talking to me in Arabic. He was like, uh, maybe we will start a chocolate company in 15 years. And, and I was like, um, she was asking why. And I was like, yeah, that's how long really it took him in Syria to register the business, right? To take, to take it off the ground. Wow. Yeah, we can register a business in Canada within a week. <laughs> and we can get the joint stock number. We can get the brand going. We can get the website built, right? It was, it was so quick. It's really amazing to see through your lens how wonderfully Canada supports people in endeavors like this. I think that's amazing. And Tarek, you had help from an unlikely, very high profile source in telling your story and making Canadians aware of your family and your mission. Uh, what was it like when the prime minister talked about you? Do you remember how you felt? Oh, absolutely. That, that was, uh, it was, the beauty about that moment is it was very unexpected. I didn't know about it until I watched it on the news. So it was a very, very natural, right? Like you're watching on the news. Uh, the prime minister was on the stage speaking about um, Antigonish. And then he was telling that that story, you know, had that arrived in Antigonish, started a business called Peace by Chocolate, giving back, you know, donating their profit to the Canadian Red Cross in Fort McMurray. Or helping Canadians who were fleeing uh, the, the the wildfires there, it was so um, amazing. Uh, uh, my heart was dancing that night. Honestly, it was just that our story is is getting uh, recognition, and not only in Canada but around the world. It was in New York, and then our phone did not stop for three nights. <laughs> it was ringing. Well, I I love the fact that you have become an educator to Canadians to show us 
what an incredibly positive impact refugees can have and immigrants can have, but you're also at the same time an amazing role model for other immigrants to Canada. Our story is only one in, in, uh, in millions in the country. This country was built on the dreams and hopes of people coming here to start a new life, to contribute so much to the country, to be part of communities. And we know the meaning of community right now in a pandemic, right? This is everything we have is, is our, our friends, our family, our community. Uh, it, it was really an amazing uh, journey so far. I would not have imagined that our family really would even have survived uh, a pandemic if we were not in Canada. It was, uh, you know, as, as, you know, refugees and refugee camps, they are struggling so much uh, living there. Um, re refugees who don't have houses, don't have warm water, not even talking about sanitizers, they don't have water. It was really mm -hmm. uh, something to just refresh our minds for, really, how can we be more grateful in this country to the basics? I, uh, I truly value so much now because of all the experiences. And uh, we, everyone next year will know so much, will appreciate so much about the things that they have. They'll be more grateful and they will have new systems in place and new mindsets to face the challenges ahead of us. And I'm pretty sure that the pandemic is shaping everyone to be more beautiful, like the war has shaped us to be more beautiful and more grateful. Thank you for the light that you've brought into the world. You, you've brought so many people uh, happiness with your enthusiasm and your spirit, your zest for life. It's very contagious. And what about the film? Uh, it's going to be published. Uh, it's going to be released in uh, 2021 uh, next year. It's in uh, June, June 1st. Hopefully now is the release date. We will see how things go. Uh, but we are all really excited about it. It was filmed earlier in the year. It documents... Uh, parts of our family journey uh, but uh, we are we, we filmed it in January it was supposed to be released in October uh, but because of the pandemic we had to postpone it but everyone is so excited about it there is a character there that plays Tarek there's a character that plays my family and the movie is called Peace by Chocolate so watch out for it thanks Tarek so much thank you so much we'll talk to you soon thanks so much for listening to the Canadian Love Map if you love us, please subscribe and share. We'll be back next week with another love story to add to the map. This podcast is brought to you by Charm Diamond Centers, Canada's largest family-owned jewelry store. They are proud to be putting love on the map. And the staff at Charm Diamond Centers are thrilled to be a part of your love story too. So visit charmdiamondcenters.com or one of your local stores. Love starts here. This podcast is made possible by Charm Diamond Centers. It's hosted by me, Nancy Regan, and is produced and distributed by Podstarter. <laughs>